Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Feel like a broken record, but it is yet again a spectacular day here in central New York. Hope you're out there on the golf courses and out and about enjoying... The weather, the creek walk here next door is a popular thing at the, this time as we celebrate our June approaching Halloween and then Thanksgiving. Uh, may have been a late start to the summer, but it is awesome now, and we're excited to talk sports with you. Game one of the World Series last night, 103 degrees. I think our weather is nice and it's hot everywhere. A little too hot to handle there in L.A., but what a game started by a first-pitch home run, and uh, the Dodgers are in the driver's seat right now. Of course, series don't begin until the road team wins and the uh, Dodgers go back at it tonight at home, game two, against the Houston Astros. It's ACC Basketball Media Day. We've got Coach Beheim's comments from that to pass along to you. The much-anticipated visit with Dino Babers in this bye week we will share as well. And then Beth Mowens of ESPN, Cicero North Syracuse uh, High School grad, will join us a bit later in the show. Good to have you along. Good to have Pauly back after his uh, mush dog trek down to Miami and back. Hello, Pauly. Hi. It was a fun trip. Good. I'm glad I, you enjoyed it. I, I have found one problem, though, with traveling in the ACC during football season. Is you There's know, a you, lot of them. You travel on Sundays, and you can't get Chick-fil-A. I know that's common knowledge, but it, yeah. it, 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 it's never... Not disappointing. You're in Chick-fil-A territory and can't go there to eat. Yeah, yeah. You got to go Bahangles if, yeah. if that's your... I uh, did that. Yeah. I hit there and uh, Burger King mm-hmm. <laughs> frequently on okay. that trip. Well, we, we know you are a grab-and-go uh, kind of guy. Pile up the uh, the refuse to prove it on the, the floor of the, the rental car. I think Bo, Bojangles would do good in this town. Absolutely. So we'll see how it, see if that gets here. But uh, I'm a big fan. Is the Chick Fil A in yet? I actually have a uh, it's appointment built. in Cicero tomorrow. Isn't that where it's going? Yeah, being built as we speak. I have to go uh, go examine the the progress there. I like the news from uh, Max in the intro there. Uh, Dwight Freeney to the Seahawks, which is a defensive oriented team and a team with a good shot at the playoffs this year. And if you're Dwight Freeney, who doesn't need the money at this stage, but can play and can contribute as a pass rusher in very specialized situations. Why not go there uh, in a culture that really supports uh, his style of play for a great head coach in Pete Carroll and a chance to make the postseason again? Pretty cool. Yeah, well, that says a lot about like the mentality of football players. Too. If, you're, if I was Dwight Franey, and this might say a lot about me, I would have been done two years ago. You know, I've, I've made my nest egg, I'm done, but apparently... The love of the game drives people to keep playing. Yeah, I don't know that you and Dwight Freeney have a whole lot in common. No, he's pretty good at what he does. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll stick at it uh, for a while. And uh, I hope it works out for him there. The uh, Seahawks currently in the NFC West are 4-2, and two, half a game behind the LA Rams. And I think with somebody had just talked about that the other day. We were talking about... Uh, Syracuse players in the NFL and what was Freeney's status 
And it's kind of just that, that he is in wait until somebody needs him for the stretch run of the season. He didn't go to training camp, I don't think, or if he did, he, it's long since over now. He didn't have to go earn a job. He waits for the call, and people know uh, what he can provide, and he's missed the first uh, third or so of the NFL season and uh, now can get in there um, with the Seahawks. So good for him. Hope it works out. Seahawks are home against the Houston Texans on Sunday. It's a long, long way from uh, Bloomfield, Connecticut, but uh, seems like a great place to play and hope that works out for Dwight Freeney. All right, let's get to the thoughts of Orange basketball head coach Jim Beheim. We should point out, first of all, last night we had the Hoops for Hope dinner benefiting the uh, Make uh, Boys and Girls Club. Make-A-Wish was on Sunday. Boys and Girls Club last night. Coach and Julie Beheim uh, ripping a $100,000 check out to the Boys and Girls Club. So uh, the community thanks them for that uh, on behalf of the the foundation. And uh, really great to see the players there. And can't underscore enough how many new players there are. You know Tyus Battle. You know Frank Howard, or think you do. But uh, Frank's got to be different than what we've seen so far. You don't really know Pascal Chukwu, who played only a couple of games and he's back. You don't know Matthew Moyer, who sat out the year as a redshirt. And the other guys are new. So uh, there will be a lot to be determined and revealed in particular in this uh, first part of the season. Uh, looking forward to it. Coach, in addition to be on the being in the uh, ACC Media Day circuit today, which uh, takes them through a series of uh, interviews with the conference people, the ESPN people, uh, various media that uh, covers East Coast basketball. And uh, Coach Beham obviously has sought out, given uh, his experience and wisdom in those areas, and he was uh, above and beyond put on ESPN today on Sports Center in the morning. We'll get to the comments pertaining really to his future and his team in a moment, but first, of course, he was asked his opinion, being somebody that went through it here recently, about the NCAA's ruling specifically on North Carolina. I think that it's interpretation. You know, they interpreted, the committee interpreted us as to, is not being in charge, not overseeing the academic part too much. There was a paper written that we didn't, we didn't really know about, probably couldn't have known about it, and we were held accountable for it. The, the North Carolina case is different. Their academic things were obviously very large, but it was determined by the committee the institution uh, had could not have known about or did not know about that sufficiently to charge them with anything. And I think, you know, obviously the staff, NCAA staff, thought differently. But the coach's responsibility, the institutional responsibility, is uh, it's kind of a gray area in my mind that can be interpreted different ways. And they interpreted it different uh, with the North Carolina case than they've done with other cases. But that happens uh, in, if you look at the history of the NCAA uh, committees, enforcement committee, there are differences in how they have interpreted things, and they have their reasons and their justifications for what they did. Well, that's really the issue with the NCAA right now is that it seems as though uh, that precedent is changed or that uh, case law kind of wavers back and forth from uh, one thing to the next. No two investigations or two situations are identical, so I'm sure that makes it difficult on all concern to figure some of this stuff out. But in my mind, it wasn't that the uh, NCAA felt that North Carolina couldn't have known about a fake course that went on for decades. Sure, they knew. The, the NCAA ruling was, in essence, because it was so widespread, we don't view this as an athletic matter. 
and uh, therefore the NCAA doesn't have any jurisdiction. So um, obviously that's a big topic today with uh, uh, North Carolina along with Duke flying the flag for ACC basketball. They are the two most uh, prominent programs in the conference, and if you're going to talk conference basketball, that's been a big topic. John Swafford, uh, the commissioner in his yearly uh, State of the Union address, uh, pointed out how much he detests having uh, his conference teams involved, certainly Louisville uh, most notably involved, as uh, their program has been rocked to the core here with a change in head coach, change in athletic director, etc. cetera. Uh, I don't know if we'll have time to, to share it with you, but Coach Beheim, in his comments on that, did say something a little bit interesting that – he doesn't view that Louisville will necessarily take a step back without Rick Pitino, which is uh, awfully interesting. David Paget and uh, Syracuse alum, uh, or not alum, but uh, I guess he is with a grad degree, and uh, Syracuse native Greg Paulus is on the uh, coaching staff now there at Louisville. So that will be uh, interesting to watch. Anyway, Coach Beheim asked about his tenure, and I think in a lot of these cases, the Sports Center host is almost going to approach it in a bit of a flip manner, as in, of course you're going to stay, and how much longer is it going to be? Here he is, first of all, on why he stayed. Of course, this was going to be his last year originally, but now it'll be much more than that. I just felt it was the right thing to do. We've got a great staff of Syracuse guys, and uh, we have great young players. And, you know, sometimes you do have to leave players. Uh, and uh, I'm, I was afforded an opportunity to stay with uh, a bunch of young players. We have four freshmen. We've got only one senior on our team. The opportunity to come back and coach those guys was, uh, it was just something I was thrilled to be able to do. We've been able to kind of put together a pretty good recruiting class uh, for next year. We feel we're in a good position. And, uh, you know, coaching's fun when you have good players and uh, and you can win. Well, I think there's a direct link to solidifying the head coaching position and the uptick in recruiting. It just so happens that one of the recruits for next year is named Beheim, but the two more highly recruited players above Buddy, and Buddy, by the way, is right there in the same sort of category in terms of playing in the leagues with these guys uh, in the summer and hanging in there, So, but uh, he's not a top 100 player. But uh, Jalen Carey certainly is, and uh, Baisley certainly is. So these are guys that... Uh, have I think breathed a little bit of life into uh, what's going on here, and Coach Beheim understandably excited to have an opportunity to uh, coach them. And when asked how long he would uh, hope to stay on and coach, it couldn't be much more clear than this. Forever. We're not going to get in any trouble with any speculations. I'm going to coach as long as I can. I think too much emphasis is put on age. If you know, if I was 60 years old, nobody would ask me that question. I think you can be productive in this world. Uh, the smartest guy I know is Warren Buffett. And he's uh, you know well into his 80s. So um, if you like doing something and you you can be good at it, I don't think age should be any part of the equation. Well, that's a very Coach Beheim thing to say, and uh, happy that he phrased it uh, quite that way. It takes out any ambiguity, and he's going to coach for as long as he can, and it's going to uh, be for the foreseeable future here. You have to figure with Buddy coming on as a freshman next year, then uh, Coach Beheim is in for at least five years, uh, counting this one, and uh, he's not apologizing for it, nor should he. His intention is to stay on as long as he can for a point of fact coach will turn 73 next month his birthday is uh, November 17th so uh well he'll get into fairly unprecedented territory uh, here in the next couple of years especially at uh, 
super high level. Guys like Rolly Massimino and some others, Jim Phelan, uh, coached very late um, in their years, but uh, not with the daily grind of uh, being at the very highest level of a top 25 ranked team, a top 10 caliber program, and uh, the grind that the the ACC presents, which is about to add uh, two more conference games, by the way, in the year's coming up as for this year's team don't underestimate how much the the idea that everything is new and the expectations are low is another thing that uh, sort of increases coach Beheim's excitement for what's going on I love our backcourt uh, Frank Howard's a junior Geno Thorpe the senior Tyus Battle started every game for us last year we have three guys that we think are really good veteran guards that know how to play. We've got great size. We didn't have that last year. We're 6'5", 6'6", 6'4", in the backcourt. We have a freshman guard that's very talented. So we like our backcourt, very experienced. Our frontcourt is very big, much bigger than last year, but very inexperienced. And, you know, we have to bring those guys along. We have two young centers, uh, three freshman forwards. Uh, they're going to have to play and, and play well for us to be successful, but we like them. We think they're good players, and we think that they have a chance to be uh, really good defensive players right off the bat, which is an area that we really were hurt in last year. So we were excited about our team. We, we think we've got a long ways to go to get where we want to go, but we have that kind of potential. Well, I feel better hearing all of that today uh, about the team than the than- – I maybe did before hearing uh, Coach's tone this morning on uh, SportsCenter, and so we uh, thank them for the sound cuts there. But uh, just can't wait to see how this team sort of unfolds. A couple of exhibition games on Wednesday the 1st, then Monday the 6th, Friday the 10th is the regular season opener against Cornell, who has a freshman named Jimmy Beheim, And uh, then we're off and running to uh, get a feel for what this team is. I think they'll be able to ease into it a little bit. The first part of the schedule is, uh, it, I won't say all layups, because you do have uh, Oakland in there, who's pretty solid. Toledo, pretty solid out of the MAC. Texas Southern, a team you should overmatch, but they uh, occasionally have an athlete or two, and they won't be intimidated by playing in this environment because it's pretty much all they do at this time of year. And then it's Maryland, and then it's Kansas, and then it's UConn, and then it's... So, uh, and then the conference season coming up. So it will be a very challenging schedule, but they will be have to be a different team come January than they are now. Yeah, and he hit on the defense. Last year's team, people may not realize how bad defensively last year's team was compared to Syracuse right. prior years. And the defense alone can get a team to play, you know, a, a position farther in the – in a in a tournament well, or sure. a, and, a game, you know, defense like, can win games. De- the, the thing about defense is obviously you can prevent the other team from scoring, and it makes your offense easier mm-hmm. if you play it the way Syracuse does. Syracuse is uh, typically first, second, third in defense in the conference. Last year they were in the middle of the pack, and while we all thought here it was horrible and it was reasons they were losing games, it, it, it could have been worse. And the fact of the matter, the one of the reasons we're positive this year is we know that it really can't be worse by Syracuse standards. So uh, it'll it'll be better with Chuku being around. More length in the front court. Uh, Torian Thompson wasn't a you know defensive player. Uh, Tyler Lydon was more of a, a shot blocker, rebounder than he was a, a position uh, defensive player in the zone. The front of the zone was too porous last year. All of those things ought to improve this year. And to me, the question of this year's team is going to be more on the offensive end because I don't think you're going to have, uh, save for Tyus Battle, who is tremendous, 
I don't know that you're going to have anybody with the explosiveness to put up 40 in a game like uh, Andrew White and John Gillen could. So I uh, can't wait to see the new season of Syracuse basketball. Um, the curtain lifted. It's the uh, longest-running drama in uh, central New York, and uh, love it every year, and it gets started here pretty soon. Syracuse football, awfully exciting in its own right with a third of the season left. This is the lone bye week on the schedule. We catch up with Coach Babers about their approach and what he'll take into next weekend's game against Florida State. That's when we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Game day coverage of Syracuse football on ESPN Radio is brought to you by CNYRealtor.com and GEICO. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. We're back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Back tomorrow at 2 o'clock as well. Blowing off Friday's show. Did I tell you that yet, Polly? That's not how this works, I don't think. <laughs> Are you doing a Should show, Should I Friday? have said blowing off on the air? <laughs> yeah. Is that, uh, that's not how hooky works, I don't think. Oh. Uh, Maybe uh, I'll I suppose host. it's not show. I'm going to host in, uh, in your place. Sure. Whatever you need. To, <laughs> we got plenty of good interviews during the week. You can rerun those. I was going to get my own. Go for it. I might be out in the middle of a fairway somewhere. Try to sneak something in. Maybe I can get one of the Baldwin brothers to there come you go. Yeah, show yeah, me. do it up. Matching. You have dueling Baldwin <laughs> brothers. They're all kinds of brothers on top of brothers. Anyway, let's get to uh, Coach Babers. We uh, had an opportunity to speak with him early in the week. We sort of teased this, and uh, now a chance for you to hear his approach to the bye week. The only one, obviously, that the Orange have over the course of the year. They enter into it at 4-4. Four and four. Two and two in ACC play. Coaches are on the road recruiting this week, but lots to do. Bye weeks in football are not off weeks. It just means that uh, they're not traveling on Friday and there's not a game on Saturday, but much to be done, including the important concept of self-scouting. One of the big things that we're doing right now, besides grading the tape after uh, after the loss, is we're, uh, we're in a two-third evaluation, 66% ch- halfway, two-thirds of the way through evaluation offensively and defensively of what we're doing, uh, rechecking all the computers on s- stats and tendencies to see if we can uh, gain an advantage the last third of the season uh, to make sure that these last four games come out in a positive ma- nature. When you self-scout, how honest are you? I think I know the answer to that. And what are you prepared to do relative to what the numbers show you? You know, we're brutally honest, and we will adapt, overcome, and improvise if we need to to uh, come out with a win. I, I I don't get locked in as this is what we do, and and that and and consistently that's what we're going to do. It. We want to be consistently good. We want to create tendencies in areas where we're strong. But if we need to break a tendency for a win, we will. What do you think your study will show, and what do you sort of have in your mind about being important for this last quarter of the season? You know, I don't. You never know what it's going to show, so you have to go in there with a blank mind and just look at the numbers. Uh, but the last part of the season, we're going to be getting people back right. from a health standpoint that we really, really need. So. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, it may say this defensive front or this defensive blitz has not been successful. You have to look at that, but then it could also not have been successful based off of the personnel that we have. And now with the personnel coming back, it could become successful again. So you have to balance the pros and cons and make mathematical and gut decisions based off of what's best for the football team. When I see people around town, Coach, they're excited about the Clemson win, of course. You've gotten their attention. They paid attention to the Miami game, and they were right there with you uh, to the end as your team was right in the game to the end. And then the next question they ask is, did we lose anybody? 
and how can it get better? Did you lose anybody injury-wise in the Miami game? You know, honestly, I don't know yet. We, uh, we've had a, a full training room. We've got people who are taking x-rays and doing things, and, and not only from the guys that played in the game, but guys taking x-rays to see if the guys that we've lost in previous weeks can actually come back right. to play. And they're going through rehab and rehabilitation. So there's a lot of pluses and minuses that's going on right now. We don't know exactly what kind of team we're going to have coming out of the break. We're just trying to get as many people as healthy as possible so we can put our best foot forward. Getting healthy is always a big focus of the bye week, especially if it comes this far into the season. This is week nine. And let's just play that out for a second, a little bit of a wish list for you. The couple of the guys we're talking about, you you did lose Scoop Bradshaw going into last game as a starting corner, but you've been without Kendall Coleman and Josh Black on the defensive line really for this nice run here of the last uh, three or four games uh, since LSU. If you were blessed with their return, what type of impact does that make, particularly in the light of the fact that some of the guys behind them, Brendan Berry just had a big game, et cetera, uh, those guys are starting to emerge? I think it would be huge for us. If we could get Coleman and Black back, that means, you know, uh, Brandon Berry and Alton Robinson, now instead of playing 90 snaps, they only have to play 45. And then you get, you know, there's Black and Coleman was starting for a reason. They were better. (laughs) So to get two really good players back, that would be awesome. To get Scoop back at the other corner would be fabulous. And then, you know, the icing on top of the cake is maybe we get an opportunity to get Antoine Cordy back. And if we can get him back in the secondary, that would be unbelievable. It would only be four defensive starters to a defense that's been much better than last year already. I like the sound of that, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I I guess the last thing as it relates to uh, the offensive part of it here and kind of the stretch run, you had said – uh, one thing I'm sure of is that the other teams don't want to see us coming. You still have some talented teams on the schedule ahead. Florida State, Louisville most notably uh, in the coming weeks in both of those games on the road. What do you think those teams think of you now? And who are you going to be here for this last uh, part of the regular season? To answer the first part, I really don't know. I don't know what they really believe we are. I know what I think we are. I think we're a football team, and I don't think we're a bunch of individuals. And anytime you have a football team that's playing for something down the stretch together, they're an opponent that needs to be reckoned with. And my main thing is making sure that not only these young men understand uh, what we have at stake here, but we haven't had a successful November together yet what I consider a successful November. And let's pull this thing together and let's do something that hasn't been done for a long time around here. Now it takes one game at a time and we're playing, I mean, two of our, I mean, three of the four opponents we're playing, we lost to them last year. Mm -hmm. We lost to them last year. So it's not like this is an easy road to hoe, but if we're going to do it, we're going to have to do it together. And my thing is, I think this is a football team. I think we're going to stay together. And because of that and going down the stretch, I think we're going to have an opportunity to win. Orange head coach Dino Babers during this bye week, the Orange uh, will not, as we had said, obviously have a game on Saturday and then off to Florida State to play there on the 4th with a 12-20 kick time on that day. More as we continue in the booth. When we come back, the do we care? Probably don't. And then Beth Mowens of ESPN still to join us. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. We're talking to Dino Babers, head coach of the Orange. Always great to catch up with you. Best of luck this weekend. I think if you guys pull this off, you're going to have all the ramen noodles you can handle to make those post-game meals. Uh, Brent, I just want you to pick us to win one of these things one of these times. <laughs> well, you know, you never know, coach. Could be this week. Could all be right, this brother. week.
on the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care no more. Former Louisville coach Rick Pitino getting some support. Center. Stop. Have you checked the pronunciation of this? I have, and I'm not confident I'm going to get this right. <laughs> Nor am I. I'm going to do, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Center Anas Mahmoud. Is that close? Close enough. You, just, right. you, just, you didn't go in the wrong way. <laughs> oh, I and I didn't misspell it either, thankfully. <laughs> just, just keep it uh, moving. Off the rails already. Uh, he says he believes Patino is innocent. Patino was fired after being named in an FBI investigation into corruption in college basketball programs. He recently sat down with ESPN's Jay Bylas, in which he talked Oh, my God. Oh, I was so close. <laughs> Billis. Oh, Billis. Oh uh, I'm glad I got Jay right. <laughs> oh my god. Now there's a promo for today. If there were two two of the names in there involved some sort of bodily part or fluid, that wasn't the one I was most worried about you screwing up. Good night, everybody. All right, so so he sat down with Billis. Yes. Been talking about Jay Billis is on the station like every week, isn't he? I know, yes. <laughs> So, okay. So, my take on this is I don't care because Mahmoud was not a high enough recruit well, I would just to say, get paid. Yeah. How would he know? I mean, if, if, if his claim is they didn't pay me or my people to come, I mean, he wasn't eligible for that. So, that that's not enough. What else is he going to say? I never thought Polly would be the one to save me in this segment. That's, that's I, a news flash. Between the two of you guys. <laughs> Next. Uh, the SU basketball season is upon us, and the team is taking some precautions. SU has experienced an outbreak of the mumps recently. Members of that uh, of the basketball team are among about 4,000 SU students getting the mumps vaccine. Saw a long line yesterday getting the uh, MMR shot, they call it, right outside the basketball court there at Mellow Center. Good idea for everybody just to be safe there. It's crazy in 2017. Yes. That- They'll be handing out lemons for scurvy also. <laughs> I don't think I ever got the mump shot. Oh, great. <laughs> That'll be next week's story. And uh, two entertainment legends passing away at the age of 89. Robert Guillaume of Soap, Benson, and Sports Night. He died yesterday. Benson and- was an underrated show. So was Sports ben- Night. Benson was the first TV show that I ever watched on a regular. Like It was the first like show I got into as a kid. I agree with Matt. Sports Night is criminally underrated as a show. Wasn't given a chance. You are also a huge soap fan. I love soap. I think you got to be over fifty. Yeah, well, I, to it, like soap at hard time over fifty. Yeah, I can't really go with you on soap. I don't. I, I'm yeah. whiffing on soap. Yeah, you're not old enough. I'm not old enough to know soap. But Grandpa over right, here. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys a story about it. And musician Fats Domino passed away earlier today. This is the original recording. <laughs> good to see we found good audio for this. You're welcome. Jeez, it is an old-timey uh, classic. Yeah, R- R.I.P. to both of those. This is uh, 
one of the great Chris Berman nicknames, the uh, old Cubs catcher, Damon, I found my thrill on Blue Berry Hill. <laughs> Damon Berry Hill. I uh, always think happy days when I think of this. Whenever Richie Cunningham thought he was going to get lucky, he sang, uh, I found my thrill on Blue Berry Hill. And, and never did. I don't think he ever... Uh... So you and Richie Cunningham <laughs> have something in common. <laughs> oh. All right, pay it off, Joe, and get out of here. Do Do we care is uh, brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's, love it first slice. All right, go study your names. (laughs) Beth Mullins, when we come back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Join us Friday at 4.45 for a special doubleheader of high school football action. First up, top-seeded CNS takes on Corcoran. Immediately following, we'll have Baldwinsville and Liverpool. It's a special doubleheader edition of our high school game of the week on ESPN AM 1200 and local SYR.com. The Class AA semifinals at 4.45 Friday on ESPN AM 1200 and local SYR.com. Hi, it's Jim Beheim, and you're listening to The Pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Simeon to the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Denver. There's our friend Beth Mowens joining us in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse, brought to you today by CH Insurance, cnyrealtor.com. And Burdick Ford. Hello, Beth. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Matt? Great. Hanging in there. You're probably not in central New York anymore, but you left behind yet another beautiful day and just the way you remember it in your uh, upbringing yeah. on the north side. <laughs> you know, anytime you can still wear your shorts and a t-shirt in October is a good day, uh, especially when you're now just a few days away from my CNS North Stars uh, getting ready to take the field on Friday Night Lights for another big football game. Can I say this? So uh, I've got kids, you know, they go out in, in class and they, they do the high school games and play them and we come back and listen to them in class. And I I don't follow high school football that closely, but one of the games is, well, they've gone to a running clock because CNS is whooping up on CBA. <laughs> and I say, what? Did you have, did you have the score wrong? Because like, CBA is usually the team that's beating people 50-something to nothing, and they got whooped. So you get you get your flying your North Star pride. I tell you what, they they got a heck of a ball club, and uh, I'm <laughs> I'm rooting uh, for them from afar this weekend and and moving forward. Exciting. Paulie if, gets one question to show uh, Beth, so he's he's butting in. If here. If you'd like to hear it, you can uh, go to ESPNSyracuse.com. That game will be on at four forty-five right here on these airwaves. <laughs> Little plug. And, and is that you? Call, is he calling it? No, is that you? No. I think, I'm not I think Seth is, Seth or Stephen Fonny. We'll, we'll get our best people on it for you. All Beth. right. <laughs> good Take good st- care of us. So go, uh, go North Stars this, this weekend. Yes. It's exciting. So you were uh, back. It's always great to have uh, all of our alums come back and, and share with the kids. And, and uh, you came back for functions uh, this week to speak to students. So we thank you for that first and foremost. Always, always great to get, uh, not only to get back home, but to, to get back up on the hill and, and see some old friends and, and see what's new. And, uh, you know, whether it's uh, Danny Duva moving on to, to Las Vegas or, you know, who, another Syracuse alum moving on to the CBS Evening News. Saw that. Jeff uh, Glor. Yep. Yeah. 
big news today. So uh, always a good time to get back there. Yeah, exciting stuff for for the family, and uh, good to see everybody kind of keep in touch in that way. And and uh, we're excited for you, Beth. I know you've been on uh, Brent's show talking specifically about Monday Night Football and everything, but it's been uh, a heck of a year for you, and uh, you're you're getting the attention and, and notoriety that uh, you've deserved for a long time for being on the grind and being versatile and great. And, and part of the show here is a little bit of inside baseball. We we talk uh, broadcasting in addition to the sports themselves. So want you to know we're awfully uh, happy for you and, and hope you're enjoying this ride that's uh, not just that one Monday night football game, but uh, around the NFL on a regular basis now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's real exciting. I had a, a chance to add a, a NFL on CBS game, and there'll probably be a couple more coming late in the season. Um, you know, it really would have capped off the year if, if our beloved Yankees would have made it to the World Series, but there's a lot of potential there and a lot of room for growth. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I've just been—I've uh, I've been real excited about the opportunities I've had uh, all year long. And as a as a sports fan growing up in Central New York, it's it's been great to be a part of some of the the broadcasts that I used to watch there as a kid back on Daphne Drive. Sure, you know it's amazing. You talk about the Yankees, and I just heard it alluded to again. I can't believe that. This could actually happen. This is what I believe Buster only reported this morning, not reported, but uh, suggested on uh, ESPN Radio this morning, is, yeah, well, in the break in the World Series uh, for the travel day, don't be surprised if that's the day the Yankees uh, announce or Joe Girardi announces that they're parting ways. Is that completely ridiculous or what? Uh, You know, I, I hate to see that. Joe's always been a great Yankee, and especially at this point in time, where he has been a part of the growth of all these young guys and watch them develop and come up and join the big league club. And probably, you know, the chemistry that is built between a coach and players and a coaching staff and players, I'd hate to, I'd hate to see the mess with that and, and take the chance that you lose some of that, uh, that mojo that was obviously going on in the clubhouse throughout the year. Beth Mullins is our guest of uh, ESPN. She's got the USC at Arizona State game on the weekend. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and watching the NFL as you do as well, Beth, and we thought at the start of the year it might be the uh, Sam Darnold uh, sweepstakes, and then there's two or three other quarterbacks. And I'm not sure any of them really have held up uh, their end of the bargain, but uh, certainly Darnold has not had the year uh, so far that uh, people expected. And it might not – I don't know if he's worth uh, – NFL teams tanking for, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. What do you see in him? Um, you know, just talking with um, our, our two analysts, uh, um, Anthony Becht and Rocky Boyman, they, they still like an awful lot of what they see on tape. Uh, I think some of the struggles might be chalked up to a guy uh, that has lost some weapons around him and he lost some offensive linemen in front of him. And, you know, you, you – you start to get all the attention. You are the guy now as opposed to last year. He came off the bench, you know, early in the season. A lot going on in his head, I'm sure, and probably at times trying to do a little too much. You know, I think there's a tendency to try and make all the plays for your team. So it's been real interesting to watch. You go from the Rose Bowl last year where it was Darnold and USC beating a Penn State team and the Trojans get all the love and get all the attention and now, uh, you know, eight months later, it's actually it's Barkley and it's Penn State that that are the Heisman favorite and the team to watch. 
and USC finds themselves, this is a huge game uh, for their Pac-12 chances. You know, this is a game for first place in the Pac-12, and if they falter, uh, you could be looking at a decade now since they've won the Pac-12. you got to go back to the 2008 season, and and all the expectations they had coming in, there, there's going to be a lot riding on this matchup for them uh, over the weekend. And, and for Sam Darnold now, all of a sudden the talk is he's a guy, he's a young guy that still has a lot to learn and, and loves Southern Cal. Uh, the talk now is, uh, you know, whether or not he wants to stay and come back another year. You know, you always thought that from afar when USC was really rolling under Pete Carroll and you had your Carson mm-hmm. Palmer, Mark Sanchez, et cetera. Who steps away from being the quarterback of the Trojans and a national title contender? <laughs> the lure of the NFL is obviously pretty awesome, but uh, you can see where Darnold, who's uh, kind of a legacy, right? He's the one whose grandfather was the Marlboro man and uh, some of that stuff that's kind of interesting. Uh, but I've heard that talk a little bit more here of late that uh, maybe he would give it another go. Rocket arm, obviously, but uh, working on his decision-making. Yeah. It's a fascinating study, um, you know, just running through their notes. It's seven quarterbacks now taken in the last 15 drafts from USC. And you look at the history of the quarterbacks that come out of there. A guy like Carson Palmer's had a long career, a lot of success. You've had other guys, you know, Mark Sanchez, Matt Leinart, up and down, never really uh, were able to stick it out as a starter uh, Matt Barkley, who, remember, uh, made the decision to come back the extra year and, and still has not managed to find his footing yet in the league. So certainly a lot that Sam Darnold can look at if he's trying to make that decision and move forward. But Mel Kuyper still has him, I think, number one on the game board, and I think there are a lot of positive things for Sam. Probably one of the things you look at is, you're probably going to be the next guy to go to Cleveland if you're the number one quarterback taken, and is that – something you're interested in doing what's second place right <laughs> yeah san francisco that's second place at this point right <laughs> that's right yeah cool. it's depending on the kirk cousins and how that goes but uh mm-hmm. yeah i can see that stadium in santa clara might, might set you up a little bit better than cleveland beth mowens is our guest and yeah. just to kind of bring it back a little bit uh more local you know you mentioned sam darnold the reason he didn't start early last year at usc is because max brown was the starter he's now the quarterback at pittsburgh he got knocked out in the syracuse game and uh, and hasn't played since. And for Syracuse, it's a bye week. Did, did you catch up with Coach Babers uh, when you were here? And I, I know you're, you've been paying attention. Uh, yeah, I, I did not get a chance to, to see him personally. But, um, you know, it, it's been great to see, just to give you a little national perspective, what, what people are saying outside of Syracuse is that, you know, the, the Orange are obviously doing some great things. The, the Clemson game looked to the rest of America like, the old days at Syracuse when the Dome was rocking and these guys can play with anybody in the country, I think even though they didn't get the win against Miami, they backed it up. They're legit. They're for real. They can contend if they don't make the mistakes that hurt themselves. And honestly, it's you know, you're know you not going to have a better opportunity next up to roll into Tallahassee where Florida State hasn't won at home this year uh, than, than you will now. So I think they've got a big game coming up that – if you win that, you can start talking about the potential of an eight and four season. If you lose that, now you're okay. Now we got to get to six wins and get to bowl eligible. And where do we get those two wins late in the season? So uh, I, I really like what's going on there. I think there are some positive things, and um, 
it's going to be real interesting moving forward. They've got the right pieces in place for no, sure. No doubt about it. It's fun to be uh, to have the football be relevant and people aren't yet turning the corner to basketball, even as exciting as a, a fresh new season is to open out of the box here in just a little bit with that starting. So, Beth, we appreciate yeah. your time. Always good to uh, check in and get your perspective uh, throughout your travels. So we appreciate it. We'll do it again down the line sometime, okay? Thank you, Matt. All right, that's Beth Mowens of uh, ESPN. Always uh, fun to talk sports with her. And uh, Beth, as we said, has the USC-Arizona State game this coming weekend on a Saturday. And uh, look for her in an NFL booth soon to come as well. want to remind you that if you are interested in this particular sweepstakes we have going on, you can be caller number five right now. Operators standing by, as they say, for your chance to uh, see an advanced screening of ESPN's 30 for 30 Nature Boy, the Ric Flair story at the Red House Arts Center. On Thursday, November 2nd, you can get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at the legendary wrestler before it airs on ESPN, plus the uh, a chance to win the complete 30 for 30 library, which in and of itself is uh, worth the price of admission in this case. A free meal and a chance uh, to hear from Brent Axe and have a little Q&A uh, after the show. Great setting over there, and it's brought to you by United Auto Supply and ESPN Radio Syracuse. Great World Series first game last night, Clayton Kershaw with 11 strikeouts, all coming after this. Chris Taylor steps in to lead it off for the Dodgers, the center fielder. Right-handed batter in Keiko's first pitch. is a swing and a high fly ball. Left field. It's headed for the bleachers, and it's gone. Chris Taylor on the first pitch. Homers to give the Dodgers the lead. What a start and what a scene here at Dodger Stadium. The great Dan Schulman on ESPN Radio can hear tonight's game, too, here as well on 97.7. Chris Taylor, a first-pitch home run, a two-hour and 28-minute World Series game. Just fantastic. That's the way it ought to be. Exciting stuff. Looking forward to Game 2 tonight. Rich Hill for the Dodgers against Justin Verlander of the Astros. Back tomorrow at 2. Thanks to Polly and Joe and all of our listeners. I'm Matt Park saying so long. You've been in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.